Are you ready for whatever the future holds for your business? You know what they say, a goal without a plan is just a wish. I'm Kim Wright with the Design Build Institute of America, and we're already planning ahead for our association and the industry by working on our strategic plan for the next three years. It will take a lot more than just wishful thinking to capitalize on the tremendous growth we've already seen in Design Build and take it to even greater heights. DBIA's Executive Director and CEO, Lisa Washington, sat down with our National Board Chair, Bill Hasbrook, who's with Dragados USA, to talk about making some ambitious plans for the future that we hope touch each and every one of America's design builders. I am so glad to be here with Bill Hasbrook, DBI's Board Chair, and we've just wrapped up a couple of days of strategic planning. Now, we've been with the National Board doing this for two days, and while that might not seem all that exciting to some people, the truth is that here at DBIA, we are fortunate to have a National Board of Directors that's full of dynamic and innovative industry leaders, and they represent such a huge diversity of sectors and regions and disciplines. You know, getting this group of highly successful design builders together and focused on the future of our industry is a sight to behold. So thanks to you, Bill, for helping lead this group. So how about we start with a look at where we are right now, Bill. DBIA's 2013 through 2015 strategic direction included a goal to universalize design build done right. Do you think we've achieved that goal? And if so, what impact has it had on the industry? Well, first of all, Lisa, thank you for the, for the kind words. And it's uh, actually a privilege to be a part of this group and have been asked to, to help have an impact on its uh, current position in the future. I, I couldn't be happier. So let's see, uh, design, build, done right. Has it had an impact in, in a single word? Absolutely. And I say that uh, in all good faith because I hear it being used not just within our own circles, but in other associations, organizations, and industries other than the one that I'm in throughout the nation. So I think that's the biggest testimonial when you see it pretty much as a buzzword uh, within the industry that, yeah, that's enough on its own just to say that, that it's had an impact. Uh, when you look at design, build, done right, to me what it really means is tools in a toolbox. And I have to laugh because my grandfather uh, told me years back that any task is easy if you've got the right tool. And God bless him, I would sit there when he was making a project for me, he was so meticulous and just perfect and everything, I would get so anxious because I wanted it right away. But you know what, at the end of the day, it was done right. And it lasted and, and proved the test of time. And I still have a number of those things in my possession today. So design, build, done right, I think when you look at that total toolbox, it's really not just what some people would call traditional design build or how we first uh, saw design build in recent times, but it's all the different uh, manifestations. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but the different uh, uh, ways that design build can be applied. Is one better than the other? I'd say not, if, if it's right for that particular project, then it's done right. And what we wanna do and what we're seeing done and what we're seeing gonna be happening in the future is having the right tools to get that job done right. So back to your original question, uh, 
did we have uh, an impact on the industry and have we achieved that goal? I think it's a, it's a journey, not a destination, so I'm not sure that the goal will ever be met because we're always going to be adapting. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I think we met our original intention and absolutely there is a positive impact on the industry. And I agree 100%. It's a journey. That is a very good point. And you, know, you mentioned your grandfather and you told a story. I think our grandparents had a lot of wisdom about design build that we didn't even know. You know, collaboration is a big part of design build done right. And my grandfather used to tell me that even if you only have two teeth, they work better together. <laughs> <laughs> so look at that, wisdom from far back. So let's look forward. Our strategic planning process includes feedback from a lot of different people. We got feedback from members, from region leaders, from thought leaders in the industry. Um, we got feedback from owners that are members and owners that are non-members. Were there any recurring themes in the feedback that the board obtained from the industry as we started to plan? You know, I, I started looking at things differently in our session this week. I would have thought if you'd asked me weeks ago about a theme, I would have thought of for sure a sentence, if not a paragraph or a pretty good sized blurb. But you can actually have a theme in a single word. And as we started reading through all the input uh, in, in, from all these leaders, uh, yeah, it became obvious there was a lot of overlap. And if you were to draw a Venn diagram, if anybody remembers what those are, with uh, different circles, I think when you see a bunch of, of items where all the circles overlap and they're in that little center section, that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's what you absolutely have to address. And I think we did find a bunch of things um, in there and we could actually prioritize, combine. And in my mind, what we saw shake out was three themes. The one that rang true throughout everyone was education. Uh, then there's sustainability. And then there's also uh, expansion or to expand the organization. And just to hit on each one of those, in my uh, career, I think we can positively point to the success or failure of any project uh, and look back and you can base it on the education of those involved. And so absolutely education is a key to success. Uh, sustainability. When we talk about sustainability, normally in a business that means how do you sustain your, your operations? Uh, how do we continue as a business? Well, certainly we want to look at those parameters and, and those dynamics to make sure that we're still here to provide benefit to all the people that rely on us as the keepers of the delivery method design build. But it's uh, more than that. How do you sustain design build as a continued viable project delivery method. And you do that in a number of ways, uh, one of which is just by trying to keep up with the, the nuances in the industry and the changes. And as I said a minute ago, making sure that you continue to either change your tools out or add tools to that toolbox. So absolutely, I think we need to sustain the delivery method. And then expand. Um, I don't think it's uh, like expand necessarily into other markets and areas per se because I think we're kind of everywhere as, uh, uh, as long as the law allows us on the public sector and certainly in the private sector when it makes sense. I think design build has expanded uh, into a number of areas but I think it's expand perhaps the services we offer and the benefits to our members and our regions and I think one of the biggest ways 
that we can expand is by continuously trying to keep ahead of the curve uh, by doing research and looking at uh, evolving trends and continuing to expand or maybe even adapt or evolve as, as the market continues to. So where you mentioned sustain and I believe educate and expand um, and you mentioned research. Well, where are we today? Where are we today with design build? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. I remember I've been a member since 93 when I was asked to go to a meeting in, in Dallas, Texas, uh, for some group that was thinking about starting up an organization. And I said, fine. And I left the meeting and kind of wondered, I don't even know who those guys were or what we were, <laughs> what we were doing, but it sounded intriguing. And, and uh, back then when we started, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think there were only three states that even acknowledged or allowed That is design correct. Build. So let's just, uh, one part of it, let's fast forward to today, and I believe there's only three states that are holdouts. Or very limited. Very limited. Yes. So in just in that one regard, we've come a long way. But let's look at, uh, uh, at design build to begin with. I love it when I, I talk to people, and again, you get back to education, that are limited in their knowledge on design build, and they go, oh, I haven't heard that. Is it new? And I said, yeah, we just discovered it for the first time again. <laughs> um, and I think they're amazed to realize that it goes back thousands of years to the law of Hammurabi and the master builder. And um, where we think uh, we're living in a, a society today that everything is a legal battle. But back then, if you really look at it, it was a law of Moses with an eye for an eye. So if I, as a master builder, built something incorrectly and it kills one of your family members, guess what? I lose one of my That's family right. members, yeah. Right. So obviously we've evolved uh, positively since then, but it wasn't until the Industrial Revolution in the mid-1800s where everything became so specialized, not one person could be an expert. And then, of course, lawyers got involved and limited us to, if you're designing, whether you could build it to or not. And so it's intriguing to me that while it's been gone for about, um, I'll get the number wrong, but maybe 150 years, all of a sudden we've had an epiphany and, wow, look at this, this wild idea. So it, it really isn't anything new, but it seems like it's new to us again. Uh, so it's, it's uh, come a long way since a master builder, obviously, and we've seen just in the last 25 years where there's only three states with somewhat of a holdout. But today I would say it's commonplace. And when I first started looking at this, and I was doing it uh, in the power industry in the late 80s, but we called it EPC, Engineer, Procure, Construct, hadn't heard the term design build at that point, um, but when we, uh, uh, we looked at it back then, it was called alternate project delivery. Today, I don't know that I even think of it like that. I, I think it's very commonplace and is project delivery. So I think we're evolving, adapting. Uh, we're offering the owner many different options. And interestingly enough, we talk about research. Research today still tells us uh, from the original uh, Penn State CII study years ago that said you can do it faster, cheaper, and have just as high or even higher quality, I think the results today still, still prove that out even years later. So like fine wine, I'll just say we keep getting better with age. Absolutely, and, you know, and I will add too, I'll say that I'm not necessarily sure I'd say cheaper, but I think we certainly optimize the budget with design build project delivery and, and best value remains at the center and the core of all that. You, um, and you were talking about the Industrial Revolution, a little bit of a history lesson here. You know, I think that's when we started to see the emergence of all of the industry associations that started to separate the trades as well. That's when we, we saw the 
the American Institute of Architects, the Associated General Contractors, and, and DBIA in 1993 came back and said, let's all come together under one umbrella. So it's, um, we're a part of that history as well. So let's move on to, to an important topic that's impacting every industry out there, not just the design and construction industry, technology. I mean, technology is evolving rapidly and it's changing our world. As the board of directors talked about our strategic direction, I'm sure you talked about the fact that technology is playing a key role in the transformation of design and construction as well. How do advances in technology fit into DBIA's strategic goals? <laughs> you know, that's, uh, I, I, I would almost say it's impossible to say. <laughs> uh, technology changes by the minute. I'm, I've got in my pocket right here, I'm pulling out uh, an iPhone, and it's, I can't really remember a time when I didn't have this, but it's only been around, I think, for what, 10 years? Yeah. Yeah, so technology, and so they come out with one, uh, my son sent me one, I'll probably get the words wrong, emojis, mm -hmm. um, where he has them that on his iPhone 10, as he talks, the emoji talks, and with his lip movements the really? same. And, yeah, so who would have thought of that, but we don't think anything about it, really, it's cool, but yeah, it's just commonplace. Technology is just, just, you know, running crazy. You look back over time, and probably our parents, um, most things were pretty much the same in their lifetime. They may have gotten a TV or something, but you look at where we are from there today, and it, while it would, for those that uh, are no longer with us, if they were to see where we were today, they probably wouldn't believe it. But for us, there's not a whole lot of things that really surprise us. We expect the unexpected. So it changes day to day. I'll tell you one funny thing that uh, uh, impacts us all is that one simple thing in technology change, consider how we send messages out. Uh, in the old days, you would type on a typewriter. And a lot of people may not, uh, young people may not even have seen one today right. or know what it is. Uh, but you type on a typewriter and many of the forms in business had to be perfect. You couldn't use what was you know, Star Wars at the time, white out. You know, if you made a mistake, you could brush it with some white paint. We couldn't even, uh, first it didn't exist to start, but then we couldn't use it. It had to be perfect. Go from there to something as simple today that I just wrote a paragraph and uh, well, here's a piece of paper on the, on the desk. So here's my piece of paper. I, I wrote a paragraph and I decided, wait a minute, uh, I don't like that paragraph. It's better put before the one, you know, that's, that's there now and so all I do is cut and paste and move back up. We don't think anything about that, but if you look back at how our processes worked in industry, you know, years back how much time we wasted and, and just how our thought processes have changed, you really had to think things out before you put the typewriter to paper. Today we have so much more ability to, to think on our feet and adapt just because of the changes in technology. So. Where are we and where are we going? Well, there's a, a couple of things. Look at even uh, somebody as uh, commonplace as McDonald's. Uh, you know, made money year after year after year and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they weren't making money. Uh, so what did they do? They took a look at all kinds of things, uh, not only technology and offering internet in their stores, but how do people perceive uh, the dining experience, uh, the food. Everybody likes to eat more healthy, so they made some changes but they looked at what made them successful over time and it was offer, offering great value for a low price. So they kept that constant, but changed everything else to adapt to, to, the, to the industry's taste. So I think that's what we're doing as we look forward on our strategic planning and design build. There's certain things we have to keep constant 
because the industry demands it and they expect it of us. But the rest of it we're looking is how are we going to adapt and change with technology and with the, the needs and requirements of our industries and our owners. And I think that's, uh, I think that's what one of the, the focus, what's well, got to be one of the major focuses on our strategic planning as we go forward. I agree. You know, um, it, it's been long said that technology like BIM, and we know that we've gone far beyond even BIM now, it's just easier to incorporate into an already collaborative environment. So I, I am certain as well that technology will play a key role. But you know, there are other changes. You know, technology is constantly changing, but so is our workforce. You know, as we see baby boomers coming up on retirement, how does DBI envision engaging today's college students and young professionals in the advancement of design build? You know, I got to laugh because uh, 40 years ago we were discussing that very same thing is how do we get young people involved. I come from the construction side. I've been in the construction and design side, but primarily my focus has been construction and for us that's always been an issue. Even more so today, especially given all the technological changes is Bobby and Susie don't want to get their hands dirty or, or get sweaty out in the <laughs> workplace. They want something inside, air conditioned, uh, working with the technologically advanced uh, things that we just discussed. Um, but I, I'll offer to you that perhaps in the future they don't have to get sweaty and dirty. As we look at some of the evolving trends today and how we see venture capitalist groups and others getting involved in our industry and some of the real technological advances and innovative ways that they're looking at things that historically we've only looked at in, in one manner, maybe we won't be constructing things in the future. Uh, I think I read the other day that they did a 3D printed house and, mm -hmm. and it's like unbelievably fast. Well, wait a minute. We used to have people designing and constructing that out in the field and now they've done it with a 3D printer. Maybe the future says we're not gonna do construction at all. Maybe it's gonna be more manufacturing. In fact, I see a trend where a lot of subcontractors now are calling themselves manufacturers and they're doing pre-construction, pre-stressed, uh, prefabricated items and just setting in place. <clears throat> so you might say, well, so we're still gonna need the people to set them in place. Well, maybe not. Maybe some robotics or other techniques are gonna be out there to set them in place. So how do you keep the young people involved? I still believe education is the key to success. And I used to teach for an organization called Junior Achievement. Mm -hmm. And I think you've got to get these young people at the right age in school, whether you start them in elementary, really grab them in junior high, and then really set the idea in high school, whatever it is, I think the key to success is starting not in college with the college kids and, and the graduates, but actually starting further back in that and, and trying to explain what the benefits and the values are of our industry. But I'm not even sure what the industry is going to look like in the future. We can deal with it today and we can try and predict it, but I don't think any of us really know what's coming other than we know it's going to be changing. Right. I, I agree. Um, but, but we also agree that that population is, is important to the organization's future and it's a nice uh, tie-in to my next question. You know, DBI prides itself as an institute that brings together a lot of key players. You know, students and young professionals are among those key players. But we also include owners, architects, engineers, general and specialty contractors, manufacturers and suppliers, 
as you look forward, and I think you answered this question a little bit, but I want you to elaborate. As you look forward, are there other players that DBIA needs to bring into the fold to truly affect positive change in the industry moving forward? Well, and you just, um, <laughs> as, as you were saying that, you kind of took some of the wind out of my sail because I was <laughs> trying to think ahead of your question. Uh, yeah, in the past, the uh, design build focused on what we'd say three legs of the stool, the designer, the contractor, and the owner. But as we step back and look, there's many other stakeholders than just those three. So really that stool doesn't have three legs, it's got a ton of legs on it. And we do have other people like specialty subs, and uh, how about let's look at uh, disadvantaged business enterprises or small businesses. It's important for them to join the conversation as well. I think for the first time on our board, and correct me if I'm wrong again, for 2019, we are gonna suggest to the membership that we include a board member from a specialty contractor because we think that their input and uh, perceptions are and, and ability to, um, uh, to provide to the organization is so important that we value their opinion that they actually have a seat mm -hmm. at, the, at the board table. Uh, we already uh, have had for the last couple of years a small business representative on our board. So I think design build done right suggests a total integration built on trust. <clears throat> and all participants on the project have to have a voice. I always tell people I don't care how insignificant you think your participation is on the project, it's incredibly important to us because we all either succeed or fail together. And so I think as we go forward, that's becoming much more commonplace. I think the traditional roles are gone. Uh, with design build, you've gotten rid of the adversarial relationships between owners, designers, and contractors. And I'm even seeing now that uh, we're seeing a shift in uh, owner support or owner engineers where, and I did that for a living for a while, where I was tasked with actually just finding fault and reporting it. So now the, the secret for success in design build is to get that group also involved to help us identify where there's some potential issues, hit them head on before they become a problem. Because again, at the end of the day, we, we all succeed or fail together. They've got to be a part of the, of the solution. Uh, and then we have subject matter experts, which come in all kinds of forms and sizes, whether they're small business or whatever. We need to listen to these people because collectively, again, it's our project. Absolutely, so we continue our theme of everybody's important to the success. Like you said it best, we succeed uh, together if we're gonna succeed. Well, you know, Bill, it's been great talking to you today, but I know you're coming off of a day of planning and a board meeting and you've had a long week. <laughs> I will tell you, you provided extraordinary leadership and insight to the strategic planning process. I was honored to be part of some of the discussions and I'm sure the industry can't wait to see you roll out this plan at the annual membership meeting in November. Uh, that's gonna be part of our Design Build Conference and Expo as a matter of fact. So one last question before I let you go. Tell our listeners, in addition to hearing more about this great plan that's gonna focus on, I believe you said, sustaining, educating, and expanding the organization, what else does DBI have in store for them at the annual conference in New Orleans? Well, first of all, thank you for your kind words, and I have to reiterate what I said earlier. It's been a privilege, and I'm very honored and flattered to even be a part of the organization. But uh, what do we have in plan? I'll say that in a word. Wow, uh, what an incredible venue. We always have fun in New Orleans and, and it, it is a lot of fun, but 
when you look at the uh, the uh, celebration itself to start, this is 25 years. This is a huge is. milestone. <laughs> and you look at where we came from and where we are today. I, I made reference to a little bit of that earlier. But we're also going to look at where we're going. So as you'd expect, we're going to have some very dynamic, pertinent tracks, um, along with some incredible speakers. For instance, um, I don't know how many people know or remember General Honoré. He's going to open us up, and he's going to talk on resilient leadership. He's going to prepare us today to prevail for tomorrow. And if you haven't heard from him, he's in demand. He always draws huge crowds. He always gets great reviews. And he was in charge of the Joint Task Force for Katrina. Excellent. So especially in New Orleans, that's a, that's a real uh, hot topic. <clears throat> but we're very honored to have him, him here. And I think that's going to be just an incredible and very pertinent opening session. But, you know, you've asked me a couple of times on technology and where we see the future. And we're going to have a futurist there, Rich Carlgard. And he's a Forbes publisher and global futurist. And I think you're going to be amazed at the predictions he have, has. I've always loved listening to these guys just for entertainment's sake, but when we put it in perspective on design, build on our industry and where we're going and how things are changing, I think we're all going to pause for a second and think, wow, you know, I said we, we've had an a iPhone for only 10 years. I can't really tell you how technology is going to change. It changes by the minute. But instead of just being entertained, let's sit and listen on how what he's thinking may happen can positively or negatively impact the direction that our businesses are going today. So don't just look at it from the entertainment standpoint, actually look at it for an inter from an a educational and a business standpoint, and I think you're just going to be amazed. We're also, this is quite a treat, we're going to be able to discuss with some of DBIA's founding fathers about their 25-year perspective, what they were thinking back then, how they feel we're doing today, uh, how the journey's been and what they're thinking on, on the future. Uh, we're going to be continuing research and design, build viability and success. And we're going to have those results from our own uh, research from a third-party firm, FMI. We're going to have all that available to discuss with you. I think some may be amazed and some may not be amazed, <laughs> but I think it's very telling and, and I think it's a very positive message and we're very pleased with how that, that third-party research came out. But finally, we're going to have fun. Like I said, it's an incredible venue. And one thing I want to do is challenge everybody to wear a bow tie. <laughs> Could I be excused from that no, challenge? No, you, you, you can if you want. But if you're wearing a bow tie and I see you, I have a, a gift for you. And then we're going to have a grand prize drawing for everybody that was wearing those bow ties. So I think that's going to be, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. But it's very special to me. as the 25th anniversary since I was involved in the beginning. 25 years ago, and I can't wait to be a part of it uh, as we celebrate success and look to the future. So um, i just like to say I'd hope to see everybody there. That's great. I do too. You know, I'll close by saying that I had a chance to speak with our founding fathers in preparation for their appearance at the conference, and they are truly excited, and I don't think they envisioned Design Build or the organization even being where it is today when they sat around the table 25 years ago and conceive this organization. So I look forward to seeing you in New Orleans. I look forward to seeing them and thank you again. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you to Lisa and Bill for walking us through some of what's on tap as DBIA works on its three-year strategic plan 
plus a glimpse into our 2018 Design Build Conference and Expo in New Orleans. Early bird registration is open until September 25th, so don't put off your registration. Head to dbia.org conferences and make your plans for what promises to be the biggest design build event ever. We'll see you in New Orleans.